Hi, welcome to Talk About the Passion. I'm your host, Christian Campagna, and I'm not certain I need to label myself a host if it's just me. Does it? Does there need to be a host? I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, do you know what you're doing here? Currently, a good amount of uh, us in the world are all sitting inside waiting for something to happen, good or bad. There's this constant gray cloud of uncertainty following us around 24 hours a day. It's the weekend now, and most people have been off work for the last week or working from home. The nature of uh, my position at my work had me at the office all week, uh, along with a, a girl from my department on the office side. And a few other people came in here and there throughout the week. The drive to and from work is usually just shy of an hour, though, you know, through back roads. And, and last week it was around 35 minutes each way, so that was nice. Now that it's the weekend, in an attempt to lift the black cloud away a little bit, you know, uh, I'm avoiding the news. I've been doing this for many months already, and it's a nice breath of fresh air every weekend. I mean, with this situation, I'm keeping a little watch on things, but for the most part, avoiding it. I was regularly stopping at the market throughout the week last week, buying things, and uh, went this morning just early, just as the 7 to a.m. shopping for uh, the elderly and the sick ended. So if you're listening to this episode 49 years from now, in the mornings uh, during this pandemic, in the mornings before all the crazy, you know, white people flooded supermarkets to buy, uh, you know, toilet paper and buttermilk and Snickers or whatever, um, they would let uh, elderly people or people with, you know, respiratory issues and, and that kind of thing shop so they didn't get, uh, you know, run over by people like me. I showed up uh, just at the cutoff at 7.59. And, uh, you know, I wonder if because of what I look like, I probably could have just passed as a senior citizen. A few years ago, well, like five years ago, I guess, uh, I was 45 years old, and I was in a restaurant in California, and the, the girl taking my order, it was, it was like one of those places where it's a, it's almost like a cafeteria, where you get, you know, like, uh, let me get the roast beef and the, uh, the scoop of those green beans. I mean, not that disgusting, but... Anyway, when I got to the end, the, the girl said, uh, you know, with, your, uh, with the senior citizen discount, you can get uh, free pudding or ice cream. And, you know, and I said, you know, thanks, I'm 45. And uh, also, what do you have, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry? I'll, I'll take vanilla. So I imagine if they questioned me, I, I probably could have easily just said, oh, I'm 58, you know, to some 17-year-old, you know, shopping cart collector, you know, know the difference between someone who's 62 and, you know, 35. I don't remember that as a teenager. I remember thinking, like, all the rock bands I loved were, like, 58-year-old guys. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I remember finding out Robert Plant was only, you know, 20 years older than me. Uh, I'm definitely at that old age thing, though, where I just feel the need to tell someone a story. You know, some guys send unsolicited dick pics. I, you know, I tell unsolicited stories. Uh, this cashier, you know, ringing up a, a can of breadcrumbs, I might let them know the reason I'm buying those breadcrumbs. You know, because one day I was in there and they were out of the particular brand. And I bought these and my wife that I don't even have yelled at me and now, you know, we like this brand better anyway. Gee. Meanwhile, the kid is hoping I get hit by a car on the way out to my car. So uh, here's an unsolicited story. I was thinking about this recently. Um, hanging out at the, this friend of mine's house after school when I was 13 years old. 
Uh, I, I lived in Swampscott. I've probably mentioned that 46 times on this. Uh, I grew up in this town, Swampscott, Massachusetts, which is a little you know, beach town a few minutes north of Boston. And aside from the current, the current uh, ginger governor we have in Massachusetts, uh, Charlie Baker, some other famous uh, Swampscott residents were, uh, you know, Francine and Barry Goudreau from Boston, uh, Piper Kerman, who I went to school with. Uh, she wrote the Orange is the New Black book. Johnny Pesky from the Red Sox. And then, of course, a gentleman by the name of David Lee Roth, also lived in Swampscott. Uh, after school activities, though, for me and my friends, uh, we're going to one of my friends uh, Dave's uh, house, and we'd either watch MTV up in the attic, and th this was 1982 to 83 when you know MTV was still sort of a baby. I think it was 81 that th they started, maybe. Um, but you'd see, you know, a video by like the Police, the Fix, Thomas Dolby, Def Leppard. And maybe an ACDC video like that live uh, for those about to rock one. Remember that? Uh, that was a staple. Uh, if we weren't in the attic watching MTV, though, we would raid his parents' liquor cabinet and drink, you know, vodka, and then like change the line that his parents, or you know, put water in there. And uh, then we'd lay on the floor and listen to records. And uh, you know, one of the first ones we listened to. It was uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, which is a cliche at this point. But I was thinking about it, and that album was like just 10 years old at that point, which is kind of crazy. And we were all probably hearing it for our you know, first dozen times hanging out over there. It's like a strange thing to think about, right? Songs you've heard all your life. Like how many times do you think you've heard say, you shook me all night long, especially if you were alive when it came out like me? 2,000 times? 10,000? The song is three and a half minutes long. Multiply that by 10,000, and that's what, 35,000 minutes? 583 hours, 24 days. I did this math before I, I started recording. So. so almost a month of You Shook Me All Night Long. Imagine listening to that song continually on a loop for 24 days straight. You're just like tied up in a room, and someone's just playing that constantly. Do you think you'd die? Maybe. Uh, how many times do you think you've heard, say, Bungle in the Jungle by Jethro Tull? Probably not as many times as me. I'd, I'd say I'm in the high thousands club with that song, you know. That guy, Ed, that you work with, though, maybe a dozen times. But he, you know, probably doesn't even know because he was too busy shooting pool. Feel free to send me a message or comment about, you know, how many times you think you may have heard Bungle in the Jungle by uh, Jethro Tull. The best answer will win a chance to meet Jethro Tull this July. Just kidding. Just let me know, though. I really want to know. So, you know, hearing that for the first time at age 13 on the floor of my friend's, you know, big living room with these really high ceilings was, was quite an experience for a, a young pup like myself. I love that album and, you know, play some of it still on occasion, but my time with it is up at this point, I think. Do you ever do that, have a band or record you love that just gets worn out? This happens to me for long periods of time and Sometimes I'll snap out of it, but there's a short list of songs I like, but I just never need to hear at this point. Cashmere by Zeppelin. You know, I love probably every Zeppelin song, except maybe a few. So I'm not a casual fan by any means, but this one is just more overplayed in my brain than, say, uh, Stairway to Heaven, which people seem to always accuse of being overplayed. I'm here to argue against that. It's fake news. 
the last argument I heard about this was with this series, the 57-year-old man who said, they play that at like every school dance. And I replied, Bob, I, his name is not Bob, I changed it. His name's Steve, actually. Uh, Bob, Steve, I know you're not a school teacher, so how many school dances have you gone to? Because I think I only went to maybe three or four in my entire life. And I think it was played a total of zero times. So I don't know where, you know, why he knows what songs they're playing at school dances. And what are the chances that has ever been played at a school dance in the last 43 years? Anyway, Steve, you're probably not listening to this. <clears throat> so you're not going to hear me shit all over you. Um, how about Iron Man by Black Sabbath? That's another one. Walk This Way by Aerosmith or that, the Aerosmith Run DMC version. Does anyone ever need to hear that again? Uh, hanging at this particular friend's house is also where I discovered more uh, Frank Zappa. My old brother had that Live in New York album when I was younger. And I knew the song Titties and Beer, and that was about it. I'd gone into Zappa quite a bit throughout my life, but I always have this love-hate relationship with a lot of his stuff. The vocals and a lot of the lyrics are generally a big turnoff. You know, some are great, but some of it just hurts my life when I hear it, you know? Uh, it's always like, hey! Anyway, uh, the record, well, records, but the, the main one we got into was his first record, Freak Out particularly Side 3, which includes uh, Trouble Every Day, which on this record is just a good, catchy 60s uh, you know, psych, psychedelic song. And that song remained in his uh, repertoire for, I think, his whole career, as far as I know. Do you care about that? The second song on Side, two, on side 3, though, was uh, Help, I'm a Rock Suite, which was basically this, I think, improvised thing in the studio with some... Uh, nonsensical singing and chanting by multiple members of the Muslim invention. And uh, for me, it's like the ultimate song to listen to if you're on drugs. E even now as an adult, it's still uh, it's worth checking out because it's just weird. So it was a trio of you know 13 and 14-year-old kids listening to that while high on the, uh, the marijuanas. It was uh, definitely a mind-blowing experience that I still remember vividly every time we played it. It's a drag being a rock. Uh, the other Zappa record uh, was a test pressing his dad had of Sheik Your Booty. I have no idea why he had a test pressing or what. I think his dad was a lawyer or something like that. So I don't know why he had that. It was just a, one of those white sleeves with some handwriting on it. Um, so he had a test pressing of that Sheik Your Booty album, which includes the amazing instrumental Rat Tamago, which is essentially just a, a guitar solo section from a live version of The Torture Never Stops from uh, 1978. How do I know that? I don't know. I just I know shit like that sometimes. Um, I don't know anything. As far as this podcast goes, uh, I have two episodes I recorded in the last month or so, so I'll be putting those out soon. And if this goes well, maybe I'll record more of these, especially if you know we're all stuck inside. I'm open to any new ideas as well, so feel free to suggest some new content you'd like to hear on this podcast. It looks like I will probably be doing some over-the-phone episodes as well. Hey, you want to do one? Shoot the shit about anything without boring people too much, let me know. If this is the way we have to do it right now, we will, no problem. The last time I was stuck in my house um, was in January of 2015. Um, there was a, a ton of snow that, that winter, uh, well over 100 inches within... Uh, an extremely short period of time. I was living in Marblehead, Massachusetts, which is next to Swampscott, Massachusetts. 
And uh, I had written this uh, sort of blog thing o over three days while I was trapped there. And uh, I, I went back to it and read it and uh, to maybe see if I could uh, figure out how to adapt this time. Um, anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from that. Um, I wrote these over a couple days, trapped in the house during a snowstorm. Blizzard 2015 Part 1. Might as well be spring. January 26th, 2015, 9 p.m., Marblehead, Mass. Since I haven't been writing at all much lately, I figured I'd document this time stuck at home since it's currently illegal to go outside for the most part. I suppose I could take a walk and not get arrested or pulled over, but why would I do that when I have a warm house, a dog, a cat, and Ray Romano to keep me company? Went to the supermarket straight from work, and it wasn't as hectic as I thought it would be. I needed some essentials. Mushrooms, a yellow highlighter, some rice cakes, one yellow onion, corn, eggs, and a loaf of bread. I imagine the girl that rang me up didn't notice everything I bought was either yellow or a light tan color as I did. My debit card went through, but then she informed me I still owed three forty-eight somehow. After a brief panicked, which one of those things will I end up putting back and fuck that woman behind me, put the stuff on the belt. In quite an aggressive manner, I bet she's going to be pretty angry if we start canceling items and calling manners over. Incident inside my head. And two other debit cards later, I was free to go with my yellow and tan groceries. I stopped at the empty coffee shop around the corner and the nice young man who yesterday boasted like the U.S. Postal Service that they would be open regardless of the weather informed me that they would definitely be closed tomorrow. I didn't really plan on leaving the house tomorrow and that sealed the deal for me. I pull into the driveway and the crazy neighbors who live above the garage at the end of the driveway have parked their gigantic white Cadillac in a place it's never been before, in a position where if I park where I normally park, it will be blocking them. I decide to just block them in and shrug it off. There is a note on the door. They say in times of stress you should bake. I think they say that. Someone does. Women? Grandmothers? Do grandmothers get stressed? They seem like they're always pretty happy about stuff. I mean, unless their husband of 62 years dies and they're destined for a lifetime of imminent lonely fish dinners. Well, I'm not stressed. I don't really mind snowstorms, unless, of course, the power goes out and I'm stuck eating yellow onion sandwiches and rice cakes for three days. I'm excited at the thought of not going to work tomorrow. I have this book I've been reading and a yellow highlighter to highlight the important stuff to deal with tomorrow. And to say I don't, and did I say I don't have to go to work? So yeah, not stressed. I decided to bake when I got in. Something easy. Mushrooms stuffed with breadcrumbs and egg and shredded cheese and cayenne pepper and mushroom stems. I put them in the oven around 5.30 and they were done before 6.00. I ate the meal and watched what seemed like about six hours of news about the storm. I have this thing when I watch weather on news where I just kind of zone out and not hear anything they're saying. Sort of like when I meet a new person and they tell me their name and I immediately forget it. Or if someone gives me directions and inside I'm saying, okay, I'll probably just look this up on my phone as this guy is really confusing me. But I'll keep nodding and make pretend I get it. Three or so hours after I cooked the mushrooms, I went into the kitchen to grab, get a drink, and notice a red light on the thankfully electric stove. Oh, left the oven on. Opened the oven and this wave of heat came out burning the tips of my green dreadlocks just a tiny bit. 
I mean heating up my face like when you step into the sun in the August after being inside too long, not burning my green dreadlocks. I turn the oven off and remember this is now the third time I've done this. The first two times I did this, I was high as a kite on marijuana. Tonight I was completely sober, still alive and well over here. Maybe it will actually start snowing tomorrow. I hear plows, but outside looks the same as it did four hours ago. I'll be back. Blizzard 2015 Part 2. Everything happens to me. January 27, 2015, 8.51 a.m. Marblehead, Mass. So it's 7.30 a.m., and I'm looking out the window, and all I see is white, which is pretty much what it's like when you look out the window here any time of the year in Marblehead. Whenever I have one of these types of days, I have all of these grand ideas to clean, organize, read, write, play music, cook, or do something productive. Let's see how that pans out. An hour later, our governor is on TV telling us things we already know, like how it's going to snow quite a bit today and to stay off the road so the plows can do their jobs. This new governor, Charlie Baker, a Republican, I don't know if it's what he looks like or how he carries himself, but he looks like your girlfriend's dad from you were 15. Hey, Chris, what do you do? Well, sir, I'm 15, so I go to school, listen to Iron Maiden, and have acne. Very nice. Make sure she's home by 10.30. Yeah, keep calling me Chris, dude. I don't think I've any, ever called anyone sir in my life now that I think of it. The cars in the driveway, as a result of how they are tucked away between a wall, the house, and a garage, are pretty much completely visible thanks to the high winds and fluffy nature of this snow. Three hours later, and am I really watching the Maury Povich show? I'm resigned to TV the remainder of this stay in the house, as I discovered a few minutes ago that I have left my glasses I use to read at work. Did I seriously do that, not knowing full well I would be here for at least a day and a half and have this book in the yellow highlighter? My work is currently moving. Yesterday we spent the whole day moving things out of there and cleaning, and I cleaned my whole desk off and collected some personal things that I took home but left the glasses. I generally never forget things and kind of look down on absent-minded people who always forget things or misplace things. So what a piece of shit I am for forgetting those. They are cheaters, so I think I can handle reading without them, but Jesus. I have not opened the milk I bought three days ago yet, feeling like I will be stir-crazy by 1.30 p.m. Blizzard 2015 Part 2 A. Karma. January 27, 2015, 12.54 p.m. Marblehead Mass. Saying how I look down upon people who forget things in part two has paid off well today. I was watching an hour-long program on the thing when the cat entered the room and proceeded to vomit on the floor and then go eat. Something I wish I was socially acceptable for people. I decided to deal with it whenever I get up. Fast forward to an hour later and I walk into the other room and step directly in cat vomit. I guess I'm now taking a shower. I've decided to do some shoveling, especially the stairs around my car. I'm not sure I'll be able to open the door to go outside and shovel. I didn't bring the shovel inside with me last night. Oh yeah, I lost my gloves. January, blizzard of 2015, part three, one room country shack. January 27, 2015, 7.30 p.m., Marblehead Mass. I'm convinced the neighbors downstairs have never seen daylight. You rarely see them, but good Lord, do you hear them. The main guy has this thick Massachusetts accent and just sounds like an asshole. I can't make out exactly what he's saying. He sounds like 
if some guy you know named Frank from Everett, Massachusetts, did all the adult voices on Charlie Brown. I believe he's probably around 35 years old. There was his girlfriend who is friendly enough when you see her, even if you do double, you know, I do a double take every time I see her because for a second I think it's ultimate sin era Ozzy Osbourne in my driveway with the jet black hair in sweatpants. Her son, who I imagine is about 20 years old and wears baseball hats with the label still on them, also lives here. On occasion, you'll hear someone freestyle rapping downstairs. Seriously. I've not determined if the freestyle rapper is the Frank from Everett, Massachusetts guy or the kid. I wonder if they know it snowed out today. Every once in a while, I smell marijuana coming up from downstairs in certain parts of the apartment and briefly get paranoid that I will fail an upcoming drug screening at work as a result of the smell, and then I wonder if I'm just being paranoid. Or am I being paranoid because... I'm getting high from the marijuana I'm smelling. Reminds me of this time I was driving on Lynn Beach near Red Rock one summer. The Massachusetts State Police would sometimes have the horses out there for kids to pet. Me and my buddy were sitting in the long traffic line smoking grass and listening to Rush or whatever, and I told him to roll up his window. As I was so high, I thought the police horses were trained like police dogs, and they might catch a whiff of the marijuana smoke. I've just been informed that there will be no work tomorrow. I'm a little surprised and a little relieved. I little, did a little bit of shoveling today, well, about 15 minutes of shoveling my stairs before having to jump down onto the ground to start where I was waist deep in snow. 15 minutes was about as long as I could take shoveling without gloves on before I decided to walk down to 7-Eleven and just buy gloves. I'm pretty sure I bought women's gloves, at least there was a woman in the tag. Asked me if I give a shit that I bought gloves for women at 7-Eleven for $4.99. They did the job for the remaining 15 minutes of shoveling I did. I looked at my car and there was a drift in front of it that looks like it will be a pain in the ass to deal with. Where the snow is light and fluffy, I had planned to either just drive right through it tomorrow morning, hope someone else miraculously deals with it for me, or I don't have to do go to work tomorrow and the wind will blow it around and it will be easier to deal with Wednesday night or Thursday morning. I told a few jokes and did some impressions and songs for the dog tonight. He seemed unimpressed. I generally talk to myself quite a bit if I am in a situation where I haven't spoken to a human being in quite some time. Sometimes I like to imagine I'll get myself into some sort of situation where the FBI bugs my house or car and gets a kick out of the conversations I have with myself. I've begun a game of alcoholic bingo with my Facebook friends list that started yesterday. Every time someone mentions they are drinking a new type of alcohol I haven't seen yet, I mark it down on the sheet I have. I've yet to hear of anyone drinking white wine or tequila yet, but we're still only a day into the storm. I also have a which one of my friends will die of alcohol poisoning first thing running for the last few years, but I kind of keep that on the DL inside my head. Pretty sure there is some sort of creature or person running up and down the streets screaming, so I fried up some chicken cutlets to take off my mind off the terror that placed in my imagination. Blizzard 2015 Part 4, January 28th, 2015, 6.08 p.m., Marblehead, Mass. What a sad, sad day in New England. The storm has left us with no goodbye or anything, left in the middle of the night while we were all sleeping. Speaking of sleeping, the neighbors downstairs, I think they slept all day. At one point, I ventured outside to do some shoveling. 
I noticed the creepy guy that lives above the garage was out there and thought I'd give him a hand. My car is blocking his in the minivan, exactly, that the ship bags downstairs drive is next to my car. I shoveled a, pass, a path out of my stairway around their car, but leaving a few feet of snow in front of theirs and then around mine. The creepy neighbor that lives above the garage shoveled a good chunk of the driveway. It was only about eight inches deep where I was shoveling. It was a little deeper. About 40 minutes into this, the woman who looks like Ultimate Sin era Ozzy Osbourne poked her greasy-haired head out and said she messaged the landlord and the plow guy was on the way. Meanwhile, the garage neighbor guy had shoveled their stairs for them. Both of us kind of shrugged, put down our shovels, and went back inside. This was my second shoveling session. A plow showed up an hour or so later and pretty much just removed some of the snow. The way cars are positioned, it's hard to really plow us out. A few minutes later, I hear some commotion outside and see the sun with the flat-brimmed baseball hat with the label still on it, rushing outside with a shovel. From what I could gather, his friends came to pick up in some sort of Lincoln and got stuck at the end of the driveway, blocking traffic coming up our hill. I sat in the window and watched this ordeal as cars started lining up behind them. Three vaped out 20-somethings trying to figure out how to get a car with a rear-wheel drive out of the snow was amusing. I even snapped a few pictures of it. I took a shower, and they were still out there when I came back. I probably could have helped them as I probably weigh about as much as three of the crackhead-looking kids combined, but also the fucking boyfriend of Gorilla Cookie Face Ultimate Sin era, Ozzy Osbourne, could have went out and helped, or hey, maybe come out and help shovel. I had a great shower and fried up some cheese sandwiches on wheat bread and fell asleep watching a James Bond movie. Tough living, these blizzards. At some point, I hear some commotion outside and realize the loud boyfriend is outside talking to the girlfriend of the man who lives above the garage. Her father is our landlord. She is kind of a character and kind of looks like a cross between... Randy Rhodes and Dave Murray from Iron Maiden, but like 80 pounds. She's got a raspy voice and is one of about 40 people in the world, four people in the world, who I give a pass to calling me Chris. I never look out the window to see what's going on. The boyfriend then comes back in the house, and I hear him yelling about something regarding the driveway. He's going on and on like he usually does. One of these guys that just yells and yells constantly. I mean, I imagine if I was living with that woman, I would probably yell quite a bit. For instance, if I woke up in the middle of the night and saw her sleeping in the bed next to me, that would be a cause for alarm, and I would probably cry out something. I hate people who yell, uh, people with short fuses. I, you know, I have a short fuse from time to time, and, and I hate when it comes out. I usually recognize it and try to think about how absurd the thing is I'm getting upset about. This fucking thing won't do the thing it's supposed to do, Sort of like that bit Louis C.K. had, uh, we're pointing out the absurdity of people getting mad at their, you know, smartphones. This guy downstairs, though, I can just imagine him constantly getting heated about ridiculous things and not doing, and then just not doing anything about it. I don't know what this guy does for a living. I have no idea what his sleep schedule is. My day, basic idea of what happens in that apartment under me is they smoke weed, yell, watch loud TV, freestyle rap, yell make gorilla cookies with that woman's face, smoke weed, and then eat all the gorilla cookies. So this guy had all fucking day to come out and shovel and just grab a shovel. I even positioned the third shovel in view of their window in a snowbank. You can either be a guy that sits inside and yells at a woman all day or be a man and do some fucking work outside. 
I'm not the person to confront someone or tell them what to do, especially in this situation. I've never, I've literally never even looked this guy in the eye. I think I've seen him once. I'd rather just be the guy that sees something that needs to be done and just do it, especially when you really have no choice. I went out a few minutes after his yelling fit and did some more shoveling. Careful to sit, still leave that little patch of snow in front of their horrible minivan. It felt good getting out there a third time with the headphones listening to Black Flag and Chromags and other hardcore music and making progress. Anyway, tonight I've decided to introduce them to Slayer, Rain and Blood at a good volume. I'll let some shithead be a shithead and be the type of person that constantly needs to yell and be abrasive while I do my own thing up here. Before this blizzard started, I dreaded it, probably like the neighbor downstairs did. I realized today it's not really a big deal, snow. You go out, shovel, and that's the worst thing about it. I mean, you know, unless, of course, you lose your power or something horrible happens to your home. For the majority of us, though, it's nothing. It's tiring, but I know any time I shovel snow, I always feel better at the end, like I accomplished something. You can go stir-crazy sitting in the house for multiple days, as I have a little. I don't go out as much anymore, so being at home isn't that big of a deal. But when you feel trapped and like this, it does something to your head, which is why I needed to fix it. The guy downstairs, I imagine, he just let things heat up inside his head until they blow for no good reason. I never want to be one of those guys. I never will be. Here's hoping their car doesn't start tomorrow morning. The end. Thanks again for listening to uh, this episode of Talk About the Passion. I'll probably uh, record another uh, solo one like this at some point, uh, but stay tuned for... Uh, I have two new episodes that I'm going to put out uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, maybe, yeah, I'll try to do these solo ones uh, during the week if I can come up with something to talk about. And again, if you you know want to come on here or you want to call in and uh, talk about something, anything, do an interview or shoot the shit, whatever, let's do it. We're all stuck inside. And uh... So while editing this and putting it together, I realized I never finished talking about my friend's living room and the joy of that experience. So... I apologize if this episode is all over the place. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a crisis. I think it was uh, there was an article going around recently about listening to records as an experience. I think it was in the L.A. Times, uh, and it's not too old man of me to say there's nothing like hearing something on vinyl and holding the record in your hand, as it's true. I mean, unless you're talking about a record that was reissued and the repress just looks terrible and doesn't feel like the original <clears throat> tang. Uh, so we had the experience at Dave's house, you know, with the Freak Out record and Dark Side of the Moon, which, you know, both have some pretty crazy artwork. They're both uh, gatefold records. And uh, I, th I think that Freak Out might be the first double record ever. I might be wrong, but... And then... Um, the other Zappa record was just that plain white sleeve. At that age, uh, for me, artwork and photographs, when connected to music, really told a bigger story. And, uh, you know, imagine listening to Led Zeppelin IV and not having that weird-ass album cover to stare at. And, you know, do that thing where you hold the gatefold up to a mirror and the mountain the old man is standing on turns into a lion. You know what I'm talking about? I know the real heads out there know. What's up? Getting into hardcore music around the same time as this, those records would often have pictures of the bands performing live, which just made them seem much cooler. You never saw much of that on like big rock band albums unless it was a live record. 
like that fog hat one where each of their faces are in like the letters of live. How sick is that? Um, our friend Matt Spencer, uh, his mother was never around, and we would spend all hours of the, the day hanging at his house blasting uh, Ozzy's Diary of a Madman and Iron Maiden Peace of Mind. And uh, and then that, that other, the Ozzy Speak of the Devil live album where he does all the Sabbath songs. Um, but his mother, it's weird, his mother was never there. I think she worked for Gillette. And, you know, we were like 12 and 13. And I remember um, every once in a while, I think I met his mother maybe twice the whole time I was, I was friends with him. I'm still friends with him. Uh, this is like 1982. And... Um, but he would like leave like a joint out for his mother, and we were like thirteen, so that's kind of weird that that's a thing that happened. Um, and then my friend uh, Peter Biebergall, who was the first guest on this podcast, and uh, he has a few amazing books you should buy. Uh, one's called "Season of the Witch: How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll," which is amazing, and uh, you should definitely seek that out and uh, just seek him out in general. He's a, he's a good person and uh, his writing is top notch um we also spent you know time on the floor of his basement uh peter's basement surrounded by records and you know i remember at that point too we didn't like put them in plastic sleeves uh and i still have a couple of those records still like the ssd get it away record that i have is that same exact one that that i used to bring over to his house same with my uh the misfits uh Earth AD, well, I have the one that's the Wolf's Blood. It's like a German import, so Wolf's Blood is in the cover. And uh, Earth AD is on the, the other side, and it's like a little different color. Look it up. Um, so we would listen to, to that a lot. Uh, Youth Brigade Sound and Fury was a big one. Uh, that first Social Distortion album, Mommy's Little Monster. Um, Rudimentary Peni, Death Church. Uh, all those crass records, Feeding of the 5,000, Christ the Album. Um, and that stuff was just weird. Like, you'd be, like, really high and, and playing those crass records because, I don't know, like, like, at 12 or 13 years old, hearing that music, it's it's, uh, it's some weird-ass shit. Uh, Flex Your Head, the Discord compilation. Uh, so discovering music that way was and still is the, the way to do it, you know. It's easy to download a few songs or, you know, stream a new record by an artist, but having the whole thing, you know, just takes it a step further. So what I'm saying is just go out and buy some records is, uh, you know, personally, I've actually put a little freeze on buying records because I'm running out of space and uh, I don't plan on buying any more shelves. Uh, also, who's thinking about fucking record collections right this minute? Me? You? Uh, so while you're stuck at home for the foreseeable future, why not do this more? You know, just ex sit there, throw your phone in another room so it doesn't, you know, vibrate and you pick it up and look at it every 40 seconds and, uh, play a record. You don't have to get high or anything like that. Um, you know, it's all the same. And, you know, one, one thing I love to see is when I see, like, and a lot of my friends post this on social media, and I think it's just the nature of me having a lot of friends in in music, you know, musicians, record store people, the label people, and just the big fans of, of music, DJs, etc. Um, but a lot of times you you see them post, uh, you know, they just got their kid into David Bowie or something like that. So that's always cool to see. Anyway, thanks again for listening to this 
Uh, if you think there's any reason for me to ever do this again by myself, uh, leave me a comment and uh, I'll, I'll think about it. Until next time, stay safe. Later. the kind